the blast from our past network. Talking Back. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and this week we're covering Saga Volume 3. Dean, welcome. Hey, Tim. Hey, Dean. Uh, And a very special welcome to our friends from the Remote Takes podcast who are joining us this week. Jeremy, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me. Awesome. Great to see you guys again. You too, man. And Tony, same to you. We always appreciate when you guys stop by. So thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks for having us. Really thrilled to talk about this uh, volume with you. Yeah, same. Now, for anybody who's new to the show, it's been a bit of a tradition here for us to review Saga with Jeremy and Tony. So please go back and check out our Saga Volume 1 and Volume 2 episodes if if you're interested. They are episode 89 and episode 170. If you haven't heard of those and don't care about them, then that's fine. I think you'll still have a fun time listening to uh, this episode today. So stick around. We always have fun. That's one thing yeah. that is it never fails, right? Agreed. Yeah. Way to hold the audience there, Tim. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> they were all reaching. They were all reaching I to felt turn like it I was off. Losing like, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Stick around. I have a different message if they haven't listened to those first two episodes. <laughs> yeah. 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 And what is it, Tony? I think we all want to know. Oh, stay tuned, uh, gold subscribers. Uh, after the episode, you'll find out. <laughs> nice. Perfect. Hey, way to go. Way to go. Uh, before we kind of get into it here, I, I don't remember if I asked this on uh, either of the two episodes, but I want to know if any of you at the time we're reading these monthly as they came out the the single issues i was not no so so jeremy's a no yeah i was for the first two volumes but the i think we touched on this a little bit there are gaps in between volumes like they do their six issue run take a break and that was so they could keep parity between writer and artist and not get burnt out and i think by the end of the second volume i was like i'm done waiting and then just fell off of it completely until i kind of got jeremy into reading or helped jeremy get into reading comics to where he then went way past me and got to the end and was like you need to you need to read all of these and i took probably a year to do so if not longer (laughs) (laughs) so that that's my journey through saga so I feel like such the old man being brought back, you know, having Tony pull me into, you know, the uh, the the comics medium. I feel like the, you know, I, I need Tony. I need Tony to bring uh, shed light on things for me. You, I think you were under the impression though, because that for comics, all that existed were superhero stories, and that's not your bag at all. It's not and my bag. so. Um, I don't even know how we stumbled upon talking about comics um, at one point. And then I mentioned Saga and that it's, you know, I mean, the rundown has always been it's Star Wars meets Game of Thrones. Like, that's how people describe it. And that's how I described it to Jeremy. And then from there, you, I gave you that. And then you went running into a bunch of different stuff that you were telling me about. So 
You're right. And I'm that's I'm not the traditional comic book uh reader. Uh so when something like this uh something unique that does great character development and doesn't um I don't know, doesn't focus on maybe the action so much. Uh something like this is right up my alley. And I, I love it. Did you grow up with comics, Jeremy? I did not. For a very short period of time, I did collect some spawn when I was okay. a teenager. Yeah. Uh, and then that was just a quick, uh, like, a year, and then uh, then I just kind of, you know, it faded. Yeah, because I grew up with comics. I was really into the superheroes and all that stuff, and then I just kind of fell out of love with it in the 90s, and what brought me back in was the same idea, like, realizing you don't just have to read superhero stories anymore. Like, indie yeah. comics are a big thing, and, and people are getting the opportunity to share their stories and man, did I just fall in love with uh, some of those stories. So that, that got me back in, in like mid 2000s, you know, 2010s. And I, I've just kind of been, you know, fully back into it since then. I think what I like about comics is, first of all, it's a very flexible medium and you can tell a lot of stories in a different way. And also, also it's tangible, mm-hmm. right? Like, it, or it can be tangible. You can hold yeah. something. And, uh, I and hold it's my iPad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm an iPad comic uh, reader as well. I love it. So uh, you do get to hold that. Yeah. It's yeah. Great. I mean, so so that's kind of uh, I think it's that's one of the things that makes it a lot different than like uh, movies or other digital media. So there's stories you can only tell in comic book form. They, it will not transcend into any other media, which makes finding those stories so amazing. Um, and that, that's one of the reasons I'd recommend people just get into comics is, you know, it's not just movies on paper. They're telling, telling you things, they're showing you things, they're laying stories out in a certain way that just won't come across in any other medium. So it's, it's just one of my favorites. It's one of my favorites. Uh, but Dean, uh, did you, were you going through these monthly at the time? Yeah, the, actually the run of saga like the first run before they took kind of the three-year break or four-year break, whatever it was where they recently came back, that first run kind of tracks my whole, like, history of when I really got into comics. I, like, really got into them basically at the start of Saga, got into them, like, so deep that I was buying, like, 20 books a week or more. I was writing on a blog. Like, I was just, like, as deep as you could possibly be. And then I basically stopped that right when like this last the like last volume came out before they took that big gap so that's like i I was reading all of them or i was reading all the issues up to that point as they were coming out uh you know monthly but even though they take like some big gaps uh, i was still reading them and keeping up with them it was my i mean i would say it's my it was my favorite book Uh, out of everything i was reading it was my it was my top book that was coming out for all those years um yeah so it's uh it can track my i can track my journey with with sagas uh, initial release. Yeah, I envy you because the cliffhangers were like true cliffhangers for you then, right? You waited. For sure. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, yeah. good. So somebody was reading at the time because I think volume one and volume two came out fairly regularly on a monthly basis. And then after volume two, they took a sixth month break and then started up with uh, volume three. So, but just just before we get to that, I just want to know Kind of overall, what did everybody think about this volume? So, Jeremy, I'll start with you. How did this volume hold up against one and two for you? You know, so it's it's a different volume. Um, it really is. It's I think there's there is some 
some action that happens that that pushes the plot forward but to me i look at this volume as kind of like the break right like um i don't know how detailed you want this but you know the 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 um protagonists get to kind of sit and relax after like running and being pursued constantly um and i think it adds a lot of like heart a lot i think you emotionally connect with the characters more in this volume because they get to just fucking bullshit around and show their interests and show camaraderie and uh i i liked it It, but it's different than the other two and i think it's a good different yeah agreed tony yeah, I would say that this one felt like um, rereading it. It felt like a break. Uh, there is some critical things that happen during it, and there are some you know terrible things that happen during it. But I feel like Saga is meaner <laughs> at times, uh, and this felt like a, a break from that meanness um, hmm. to where I felt like the characters got to breathe. You got to see them outside of these critical situations, even though they do end up getting into some, you know, but I, I actually felt like this one was more of a break. And I say that, and I know we're going to go through, uh, you know, some points and you'll be like, this was a break. Uh, but it is, it really is <laughs> like, re- like reading through the entirety that they've released so far. It's a break, <laughs> you know? So yeah. Like, like maybe this volume felt a little bit more like star Wars and a little bit less like game of Thrones. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Less, less death or even less death, like in the sense of where you're like, Oh, that sucks. But you know what? Yeah. It's okay. Um, you know, so Yeah. I, uh, I think it's, I think it was a nice break. Um, and again, I just, I can't believe the art style in these mm-hmm. books. They're so pretty to look at. Uh, Fiona's staples is amazing. And, um, I can't believe we get books full of her art and not just like a cover piece, which is what she was doing. I think up until, um, this, this series was just covers, you know, alternate covers for comics. So, um, yeah, I just I read through them slower now because of it. One thing mm-hmm. I've noticed when reading comics is I'll go as fast as possible. I'm trying to ingest, ingest, you know, and this this reread was like really just taking in everything that I could. So I um yeah, I just really enjoy this series. So I think Fiona um I don't think, but I can tell that she's getting more honed in her craft in volume 3 here in um especially volume one, she was doing a lot of like quick backgrounds and just Mm -hmm. sort of showing shapes to get across that there's a terrain. I noticed in this volume, not only is she like fully fleshing out the background, but then she's going back to do techniques like blurring it out to make it not stand out as much. So she's going like two steps further than what she was doing before. And that's probably a facet of just you know, how much she's, you know, had practice drawing and illustrating this world and, you know, her advancing as an artist. But I definitely thought volume three, um, while the others looked great, everything was a little bit crisper. I thought the characters were, you know, I just thought they all looked really, really great, a little bit better than before. So uh, great job by her. Uh, Dean, what are your thoughts on the volume? Uh, yeah, I love it. I love this type of story. I love the breaks. Um, I, I usually relate them to like 
X-Men when you read X-Men and like the whole team goes out and like saves the world and does something huge. And then you just get this issue where they just come back to the school and they just hang out. And those are like my favorite issues because you have this like this break before you get into the next saving the world thing. You just get like a month where you're like, okay, let's just hang out with the characters. And yeah, even though there's like a lot of big things still happening in this volume, we're hanging out with the characters. We're getting to know them a bit better. And I love it. I love it for the story. Um, obviously, I still love the action stuff that happens, but this is right there with it for me. It's, it's, it doesn't feel like it's a lesser volume because it's a little bit, you know, pulled back and, and slower. I, I love it just as much. Yeah, you guys have all kind of alluded to it's a bit of a break. I think the way that they gave us that break is just ultra interesting because the break is taking place before the cliffhanger of the end of the last volume. So I thought that was a really interesting yeah. way to tell this story. We'll get into more of that later. But uh, I thought this volume took a bit of time to ramp up, which is seems natural because of the break they had. And then I think they just paid it off so well in the last couple issues. So oh, yeah. uh, overall, great yeah. volume for me. I really enjoyed it. Might be my favorite so far. I don't know. But it I was... Think... Uh... Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I, was, I, I think when you know they're all in the same place and kind of just relaxing i think I, they do a great job of making room for comedy and uh yeah you know comedy relief and that's one of the things i yeah. really liked about it too i laughed out loud several times it was really good mm -hmm. so volume three was released in 2014 it comprises issues 13 through 18 and it was written by brian k vaughn and we've already mentioned that everything to do with the art is done by fiona staples so we'll, we'll say it every time but this comic is done by two people that's it which is just it's amazing you know uh in and amongst itself so i am going to try to give a quick synopsis of the first two volumes and i don't want to get very deep because i don't want i don't want this to be a thing where i have to come up with a synopsis every time and then by volume 10 i've got 10 volumes to synopsize i don't want to do that nobody wants work, to hear yeah. that so I'm going to keep them really short. I'm guessing around volume four, maybe five, I'm going to drop this all together. And I'm just going to say, if you're not familiar with Saga, that's not my problem. <laughs> you do the work. You do yeah, the work. You go figure it. You figure it out. <laughs> as I said, but keep listening. as I said yeah, to the past episode, uh, to the, to the listeners earlier this episode, um, listen to the past episodes, you know, you don't yeah. need a mean message from me. So exactly. post show gold subscribers only. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to be really nice right now, but that's going to wear off really quick is what I'm trying to say. So. <laughs> <laughs> but here we go. Alana and Marco are deserters from opposing armies of a galactic war. While in hiding on the planet Cleave, Alana gives birth to their daughter, but the new family soon becomes the target of agents working for both sides of the war. On the run, they're visited by Marco's parents, Marco's ex, Gwendolyn, turns out to be the one responsible for hiring the assassins, and she also joins the pursuit. Marco's father dies, and Volume 2 ends with Prince Robot 4 arriving at the writer Oswald Heights Lighthouse, where Marco, Alana, Baby Hazel, Isabel, and Marco's mother, Clara, are hiding. So, getting into Issue 1, since Volume 2 ended on a cliffhanger i was very much expecting this volume to go back to that cliffhanger but that wasn't the case at all 
Uh, this issue is more about catching back up with the characters. And I think that's because there was the six-month gap. They just wanted to maybe familiarize everybody back with the characters, with what's been happening. Um, I, like, I, I think, as myself reading it from volume two right to volume three, this felt like a bit of a cheap issue for me. Like, I wouldn't have been happy dropping $5 to get this issue if I had just read the previous issue. Doing it at the time, you know, living that six-month gap, this would have been completely fine. But digesting it any other way, it felt a bit light for me. Uh, which is why I was asking Dean about, you know, your how, how do you remember this? Do you remember re, like having the break and then yep. then catching back up with this issue? I do, yeah. Um, it's uh, I kind of get excited for things like that. I get excited when my ex- expectations get kind of like flipped. So if I just think it's gonna be, if I think it's gonna be pick up from this cliffhanger and then they don't do that, I just kind of smile right away. I don't know. I like I like to get fucked with by like writers. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, like they do this in Lost all the time. They'll give you this big cliffhanger and then like they don't pay off that story for like four more episodes. Yeah, and Brian K. Vaughn wrote on Lost. So I wonder if he like learned it there and he's like, oh, this is cool. I like this or or what it is. But like, so when when, when this happened, I didn't get too, while I was reading it, I didn't get too discouraged. I, I was okay. It, it does feel like, oh, you know, there's all this energy going into it and you open it up and you're like, okay, I guess we're not going to pay that off. Um, but it sits with me well. You know, it, it, at, at first it feels like maybe it was like, oh no, I, I'm actually not going to get it and I got to wait some more. But then as it sits with me, I'm like, I, I like it. I like it. Yeah, cool. So in this issue, we see Marco, Alana, Hazel, Isabel, and Clara together on their ship. We see Prince Robot 4 flying in his spaceship, which is actually the Stocks ship that he stole from her after he killed her. And we see the Will... Gwendolyn and Slave Girl waiting on a planet for a repairman to fix their ship, uh, which I thought was hilarious that they would even include something like that. But um, all of this is happening, like I mentioned, before the end of the last volume. And you don't really know that quite yet, uh, but that's what's going on. So, Tony, what are your thoughts on this opening issue? I really liked it. Um, Again, I... I don't mind them withholding payoff because I know it's eventually coming, you know, Um, I just kind of trust the writer. Um, And I didn't read this, um, you know, as it was coming out. I actually had the experience of like, hey, I recommended this to Jeremy. Jeremy went way further than I ever got with it, then told me to catch up. And then, you know, I buy a lot of my stuff digitally. And so there was just like a probably a 50 cent or a dollar an issue sale that I was just waiting for because they they go on sale or they used to when comiXology was its own thing. I don't know about now, Um, but I just waited for a sale. Then I nabbed everything, you know, on the cheap. And um, yeah, so it was it was like maybe 50 cents to a buck an issue. So I was just, you know, and I just was pounding through them, you know, to get caught up and be able to talk to Jeremy about everything. Um, so yeah, I really, I really enjoyed it, honestly. Um, I I thought I had some really cool ideas in it. Um, there's a part with bone bugs. 
Oh, like, yeah. That was like, great. Who, who wants to talk about the bone bugs? Just go ahead. Well, the bone... Jeremy looks like, he looks like he want, he's loaded for I'm, this I'm one. looking at it right here. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was a really cool idea. First of all, if you look at the art uh, in these uh, scenes, it's uh, black and white and desolate. Um, and the that makes the outfits, the red and the blues, really pop. Um, they just they just get off uh, out of their spaceship and they run into a bunch of bones. And uh, Clara, which is Marco's mom, uh, puts one up to her ear, a skull, and it comes to life. And that's how you find out that they're in a bit of trouble and bites off her ear, which carries through uh, the rest of the series, which is awesome. Uh, so everybody kind of can, uh, when they look at Clara, know, remember that scene where she gets her ear cut off uh, or bit off by these uh, bone bugs. So, yeah, it was a really cool scene. I thought that this issue, and I'm going to interrupt you, Dean, I thought the issue started kind of slow with the introduction of these new journalist characters. And then when this scene came up, I was I was right back into it. I was like, this is awesome. I like this a lot. So love it. Yeah, that totally makes sense because you got some, you're just, the issue starts with new characters. You have no idea who they are and they're not really doing anything really important. You know, they're just kind of like, it, it ends up that they might be doing something. Really, but what we read right in those first couple pages, we're like, why am I reading these people? Like, <laughs> I was waiting for a cliffhanger. Right. And who are, are you? these guys? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I just, I like the idea of the bone bugs. It's just like some sort of parasite that yeah takes control of bones and could reanimate bones turning them yeah. into like full skeletons and stuff like that what just a, a cool really unique I really cool idea and you know we've talked about the ideas in in these books before they're just really really tight cool ideas um one of my favorite aspects of these these books is just the stuff they come up with yeah um we get to see the stock again i always love seeing the stock I don't oh, yeah. know what's going on with the stock. You you all have gone much further than me, so I'm very curious to find out what is going on with her. But she apparently got killed back in Volume 1. She keeps showing up in people's memories or hallucinations. But I, I just think she's such a cool character. I loved seeing her again. And I loved that they gave Slave Girl a name at the end of this issue. Because... For sure. They they kind of... Um, they rescued her, right? She She's not... Um, She's not something that somebody owns anymore. She's her own person. So I like that they gave her uh, a name, Sophie, but I might have liked it better if they let her choose a name. <laughs> you know? It's not just that, any that's name, That's fine, though, that's fine. Right? Was that, yeah, well, oh, it's not well, just any name. Who, well, whose name is it? It's it's uh, the Will's sister's name. Her real oh, okay. Name. Okay. Oh, I didn't know that. So that shows connection, and uh, he yeah. was probably one of the only people he loves besides... Uh, the stock but like yeah uh that was revealed revealed one of the end of the one of the, of the issues oh yeah, yes yeah. right okay yeah. yeah yeah right right i didn't put those two together uh nice yeah and we get the will's real name then too right in that issue which i already forgot but because they say it to each other the they or or she she says it to him i don't remember it i missed that as well well we'll get there Oh, Jeremy knows, but he's All withholding, right. and right. I'm just Attaboy, an idiot. Right. <laughs> yeah. He knows the rules of this podcast. Yeah. Our podcast, we just skip to the end constantly. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I often, I, I got yelled at a lot early in this podcast because I have, I, I, I commit that sin. I commit that sin often. I run a tight ship here. Yeah. I've learned. Yeah. 
So moving on to issue two, it becomes more apparent in this issue that we are reading the events from before uh, the end of the previous volume, and they're filling in this backstory that happened, which I always think is very enjoyable. I love when stories are told a little bit out of order. You know, that's something I really enjoy uh, in reading books. But we get a bit more out of Oswald Heist and his character. We didn't get too much out of him last volume because we just kind of caught up with him at the end. Now we get some more out of him. And when our, our crew here, when they <laughs> when they meet him for the first time, he's completely drunk. And <laughs> he, he's holding baby Hazel. He pukes on her. And it took me it took me a couple moments to understand what was going on because from the way that the art looked, I actually thought he was eating her. So oh, I, yeah. I thought it was like some sort of like, I don't know, it was some sort of a dream sequence or a hallucination or something. Because I'm like, oh, he's eating the baby. And then I was like, oh, no, he just puked on the baby. Okay, that makes more sense. But uh, just, <laughs> That's better. That's, I'm glad he's that, only yeah, puking that, on it. That's better. Yeah, right. But really interesting way <laughs> I mean. to, to like start this guy's character <laughs> off, this volume, after kind of how sophisticated he was in the previous volume. And like the stuff yeah. that he's doing, he's like writing these books with a subtext to kind of like battle the war that's going on. I thought it was great. It was very, very funny. Um, now, we know from the last volume that Heist lost his son in the war, but we learn here that he also lost his wife when his son was very young to like a misguided attack in the war. So it wasn't supposed to happen. It wasn't a target that they were going for, but it just happened and it killed her. And I, I really liked this. He said the pain of losing his wife was even greater than that of losing his son. That was a pretty powerful uh, moment for me because of what he did in the last volume, you know, when someone sort of in a little bit of a way, kind of like dragged his son's name through the mud in the smallest way, he yeah. really got upset. So to hear that he was even more upset by the loss of his wife was very impactful for me. Yeah, same. And it was it was a way for him to bond with Clara, who just lost her husband. So I thought that yeah. that was really good. It was, you know, because Clara uh, was pretty shut off to this whole idea. And that was sort of the first time she kind of opened up to actually being at that place and talking to this man because they were able to relate on that level. So I, I really liked that. I liked that connection they had. Yeah, the way they explore uh, being recent widows, you know, widows was really great. Uh, and yeah. uh, made me emotionally connect with the with these characters, and uh, yeah, loved it. I think he's a player. He's really good at his game because he was <laughs> spitting fire, like connecting with her. I was like, oh, this is good. He's good at this. So, well, I mean, he's got it, quite it, he's got quite a few ex wives. So yeah, he's, he's got a he's got the game. He's got how, the game. How many did they mention <laughs> in this issue? He's got like they mentioned three or four in this in this like in this volume alone I of ex wives. Yeah. yeah, he just rolls through them. Yeah, uh, I, I thought for I thought it started to like add up to why he's writing these books, you know, with the subtext of ending the war. Um, it just seems like he's been through a lot. It seems like he feels a lot of emotion. He has a lot of empathy and uh, shed a bit of light into why he's doing this. We see the will kissing Gwendolyn because he's yes. seeing visions of the stock. Telling him that Gwendolyn wants him. This is, I thought this was pretty funny. She keeps popping up saying like, yeah, Gwendolyn wants yeah. you, man. Why don't you just like, forget about me, you know, because they used to date. Forget about me. I'm, I'm dead. 
you, you should go with Gwendolyn. She wants you. So I thought it was very funny when he kind of eventually works up the courage to kiss her. And then she just punches him in the mouth for doing it. Absolutely uh, deserved it. Very, Absolutely very funny. Oh, yeah. It's oh, great. totally deserved and it. I, yeah. <laughs> and then I like what happens after because then Gwendolyn, you know, she punches him and she says, like, if you ever do that without asking again, you know, I'll kill you. And then you just see the stock you get whispering in his ear again. She said, if you, you don't do it without asking, it's like, so you can still ask because she yeah. still wants it. Yeah. It's so like, you're still, saying there's a chance. Still, yeah, exactly. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Again, I'm ultra confused as to why these visions of the stock keep popping up. Um, but I don't want uh, I don't want that to get spoiled. So. I'm sure do, you all know. Do you want do you want to talk about it? I mean, if you guys are open to talking about it, if you can kind of think back to where you were at this time without knowing anything in the future, then I'd be happy I don't, to. I'm not quite sure that that's ever really explained. I think okay. that um it's just it's the Will's version of her that's haunting him. I personally okay. that's what I get out of it. Like I don't think that she is a separate entity. I think she's a figment of the Will's imagination. Um, um, that's always been my view. It, has it been answered? Yeah, it's been answered in this volume. Has it? Yeah. Oh. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, oh, oh. So we'll get there, Jeremy. We'll get there. I guess I just assumed that it was always him. <laughs> okay. Now, now he this... he now wait 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 wait. He sees her in other volumes. Yeah, I was gonna so, say. So I think. That it's a separate than the stuff they're eating on this planet. Like right, I think right. it's separate than, than so, that hallucination. So last volume when he saw her, it was in a dream sequence. So maybe, yeah, I mean, well, just so people understand what we're talking about, we'll get there shortly. But there is uh, the planet they're on where they're waiting for their ship to get fixed. The fruit is poisonous and it will make you hallucinate. So there are some characters who hallucinate other characters, the the stock being one of them. So what, uh, Tony, what you're saying is that you think the Will ate some of the fruit and that's why he's hallucinating the stock here? Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, I guess that's what my understanding was. I didn't even know it was eating the fruit. I just thought it was the planet trying to keep them there because that was what the, the planet was trying to do. Not necessarily okay. like... It's... Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. it is the food... They said, so I think he was eating the food and what the, what it does, it's kind of a combination of everything we're talking about here. What that does is make you hallucinate and it makes you hallucinate so it can keep you there. Mm-hmm. The planet wants to keep you there. So what the stock is telling him is like, why are you even going out there? Like, don't go off and search for Marco. Just stay here. You know, you got food here. You got, you got a nice life here. You love Gwendolyn. Sure. She'll stay with you. Like, this is your family's right here. So that's why I do think in this issue, for sure, it was yeah. the planet and the hallucinations that were keep that, that he was, that's why he was seeing the stock to try to keep him there. Yep. Sure, that is that is heavily explained because everybody sees somebody special to themselves. The, the yeah. three characters that are on there see, see something from their past, something that would influence them. Uh, so yeah. in this particular volume, at this point, that is part of his, he's hallucinating uh, her, but it is also part of, of him at the same time because uh, she was important to him. Yeah. Okay. Right. Tony, I, I do kind of like what you're saying that maybe the planet has some sort of effect like that anyways. And maybe if you eat the fruit, it's much more aggressive, but we never did see him eat any of the fruit. And I don't know. It it seemed, I don't know. It just seemed like maybe he, 
like his his hallucinations didn't seem so aggressive as everybody else's, but I don't know. It's a good explanation that it it is the planet. I think, it, however that works, whether it's the fruit or not, I I like the idea that it's the planet that did it, and that makes sense within the context of this volume. We'll have to see if this keeps happening in other volumes. We'll have to see what's going on, but uh, it just it did grab me that this was happening so frequently. Um, you know, in this volume. There is a implied scene where he's in front of cooking food, uh, but uh, who knows? I I also think that this was a case because we, we've seen the stock come back in multiple ways. You know, um, I do think this is a case of maybe mistakenly offing someone too soon that was like a fan favorite that they didn't completely want oh. to get rid of. And so like, yeah. and this is narratively them thinking up new ways to keep having her come back in different ways, whether it's a dream, whether it's this, you know, great idea of this planet with uh, fruit and trying to keep you there. I do really think with how much we've seen the stock uh, re-enter the comic book in various forms that aren't her being like resurrected, because I think... You know, that's something that they don't want to do. I think this is a case of, ooh, maybe we shouldn't have killed that person off yet. There was more fun to have with that character before before giving him the axe. So, yeah. <laughs> Darth Maul. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. So by issue three here, we, uh, we're seeing more and more of these, um, characters that, uh, I think Jeremy, you mentioned them, uh, they're like reporters, uh, Upshur and Daw for their name. And can I, can, I'm so oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. But go, go ahead. Can I just add something from, uh, sure, issue two do. real quick? Yeah. I thought it was hilarious to see. So, um, the two, uh, journalists, uh, go to doing some investigative reporting, run into her stepmom. Which is, which <laughs> yes, is her yes. age or around her age, and <laughs> yeah. they're showing pictures, and you have this picture of uh, her dad and her stepmom so like good. getting married, and in the back you see this goth uh, Alana, and it's hilarious. The eye makeup and the black hair—it's awesome. So uh, was, I laughed my head off when I when I saw that. It's so good. It reminded me of Bill and Ted's, like the joke with uh, <laughs> with the dad dating someone the same age as the kid. And stuff, yeah. There's some good humor in the writing at that point too, because her stepmom is saying something like, "Oh, remember how much you enjoyed yourself at the wedding?" And then they show the picture of the wedding, and she's so <laughs> pissed off, just like hating life. Yeah. It's really funny. Yeah, that was that was a good scene. That was a fun character. Yeah, she's like, I think when I married her father, things got better because she went and joined the military right away. Yeah. <laughs> I like that they kept her positive about her, too. Like, it wasn't like a jealousy yeah. thing or anything like that. Like, this stepmom was oblivious to, totally. like, this is yeah. inappropriate. And, of course, she would hate you and you w should hate her or whatever. But, no, she was just like, she would never do any of this. She's great. Yeah. You yeah. know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So. yeah, it was a, it was a good character. Mm-hmm. Yep. So what we learn is these reporters, they're actually chasing down a story about Alana. That's what they're trying to do. Now we see that uh, our group of main characters here, they've now been at Oswald Heights Lighthouse for five days. They're having all sorts of fun, great conversations. Everybody's having a good time. They're playing a board game called oh. Nun Tuj Nun. I love which, it. 
looked like a ton of fun. Like somebody's got to make this game. It looked awesome. Um, and I thought, I thought the book started to also play with the idea here of how long can Marco, Alana and Hazel actually stay on the run for like, this has been happening for a couple volumes and that's, it's fun and all, you know, for us to watch terrifying for them, but they're eventually going to want to settle down. You know, they have a baby. They want to like have a normal life. So they started to get into like, well, what's our end game going to be? And I like that. It kind of like really, it really like stopped. It was like a jolting stop to this adventure that we've been on. It's like, they really like slapped us in the face with reality. Like these characters probably aren't going to be on the run for 15 volumes. That's not going to be what this story is about. Like it's going to change in great ways. And that was really interesting to, uh, to me at this point. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. They kind of are talking about a transition. What are we going to do? Right. And, um, someone's going to need a job, right? We need to figure that out. What's going to happen. And, you know, through these issues, they, you know, they come up with a solution or what they think is a solution. I like that. The first approach to it is like, telling them what to do you know Clara's like telling them what to do and they don't want to accept that so I like that it's going to turn into okay well let's try to make it their own idea you know if they think they came up with the plan then they'll then they'll follow it and that's how we can help them out so I loved that you plant a seed right exactly and then they think it's their their idea yeah Yeah. you and no one wants to be told what to do but uh yeah plant that seed yeah that's a good point yeah now coincident coincidentally uh, it is a, a a job that a lot of people can probably see themselves in now after COVID. It's a work from home kind of situation, which is awesome. Can you explain <laughs> can you explain the the job that they want to have because it's pretty interesting. Uh, sure. So it's going to be kind of like uh, Are you familiar with soap operas? Like I wasn't oh. sure culturally. Canadians, oh, yes. I don't know. Okay, great. Yep. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so soap operas. It's kind of a soap opera, but everybody tunes into the soap opera with these helmets. So it, you sit in the audience and you're in a VR kind of situation, and you watch, uh, you watch it go on. Uh, so, did you get the feeling really... like it was a mix of like a soap opera and wrestling? Like professional wrestling I did. at the same time. I did because they're wearing they're wearing a mask and yeah. uh, and there's a story and there's violence. Yeah, it looked sure. like a soap opera set. But then when there was a conference, like a conflict, then it was it looked like it was going to be full on professional wrestling, which I thought was hilarious yeah. because like you know obviously there's the parallel that professional wrestling is a bit of a soap opera. I thought it was a really yeah. interesting thing that they blended together, and I think <laughs> I think I might be into a soap opera like that. Like I think I might watch that. It could yeah. be fun. It's definitely it's definitely what was happening because someone in the crowd said something. They were like, "Kill her already!" or like, <laughs> "Destroy her already!" Like, so it's like that. A fight was definitely about to happen. <laughs> so good, Jeremy. Though you said that it was a, a work from home situation, I thought it was just the people tuning in. It's true. It is. It is. Okay. I I apologize. Uh, I think that a lot of people uh, during COVID nineteen would have liked something like this, where you can put a helmet on and be mm. part of the audience. It's called TikTok. Yeah, it's called TikTok. <laughs> you don't need a helmet. You just need a phone and you can scroll through and it was it was it helped me a ton. So yeah. Great. <laughs> but now now think of VR TikTok where you're there with them. Yeah. You're there. <laughs> that would be neat. I'm out.
That's too much. <laughs> That's too much. Sorry. I took it too far. We need boundaries here. I don't want to be there. My bad. No. Someone's going to make a million dollars on that idea, though. Give we'll me some there. of it. I didn't. I didn't come off. Come up with the idea, but I deserve some money. Um, oh, of course, of course. You know, yes. Why not? So repairmen have shown up to fix the Will's ship, and this is where we learn about the poisonous fruit because uh, Sophie eats some of it. And we see her stab the will in the neck with a knife because apparently her mother told her to do it. Now, this was one of the things that confused me about seeing the stock so often. I think us talking about it, I've already solved it in my mind. But we, we saw Sophie's mother telling her to do stuff. And then at the end, after she stabs the will, the mother is now half Sophie's mother and half the stock. Yep. So I was very confused about that. Are we led to believe that they're just showing us that because Sophie is seeing her mother and the will is seeing the stock and they just drew the yeah. art of half and half in that moment yeah. to try to get that across? I think that's yeah, that's the sure. big reveal that, that tells yeah. you that it's not just their imaginations, that there's some other entity there. That's making this happen. Okay. Yeah. That really confused me at the time, but this discussion has helped work that out. So thank you guys for that. What's crazy is that I don't have to eat fruit to not want to leave my house. So <laughs> yeah, I don't need weird. another entity here to be like, nah, you don't want to go. Like, yeah. <laughs> you, you don't live with children, I imagine. No, no. <laughs> sure. I sure don't. <laughs> <laughs> so in issue four special agent gale shows up we saw him briefly in the first volume he was a character that i thought was really cool in the first volume we didn't get much from him but the reporters show up um or the reporters show him a picture of alana and agent gale goes on to tell them alana is actually a deep undercover spy and trillions of lives are at stake so I thought that was very interesting. And as soon as the reporters leave, Agent Gale immediately puts a hit out on them. So that was quite interesting. Back to the poisoned fruit planet, Gwendolyn eats some fruit as well. And she sees a vision of a unicorn lady that she lost her virginity to. Uh, that was a great character. Whoever that character was. Man. Oh, right? Yeah. It was awesome. I'd love to see more of that character. Now, keep in mind, Lion Cat said lying? Yeah, so, she, she was able to, she was able, that was a great way to have her understand that this was a hallucin, hallucination, because Gwendolyn yeah. sees her and she's like, this can't right. possibly be happening. Like, you were from so long ago in my past. And then she does give that great line to Lion Cat of, you know, Lion Cat um, the person I lost my virginity to is standing in front of me and Lion Cat goes lying. It's not true. Which reminds me, yeah. Dean, reminds me, last volume, you promised that you'd be wearing a Lion Cat t-shirt this time. I know. I knew it was going to come so up. Stand up and show it to us. <laughs> stand up and show it's us the shirt. It's not on. It's oh not on my, my person. You don't I, have it. I don't own it. Oh. Um, that doesn't I'm, I'm mean. I'm so disappointed. That, hey. That doesn't mean that I didn't try. Um, I, I didn't actually try to buy one, but I was looking at shirts <laughs> and I looked at a lot of shirts and I just couldn't find the one that I really wanted. And then I just kind of ran out of time. So yeah. 
I'm going to keep it going and say I'll have one for next volume. Now, cool. now Line. Dean, Dean yeah, line. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> wouldn't it be on, like, brand for you to say I have one on order and I haven't gotten it yet? Because you would be lying, but then you would also get out of any kind of, like, guilt uh, put upon you for the show today. Uh, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Hey, Dean, it's all good, man. Uh, just yeah. something that comes to mind is do or <laughs> yeah. do not. You know, there is no try, but whatever. That's cool. Oh, I think, good for hey, you. I think if you remember <laughs> in that episode, I do not like that line. <laughs> there okay. is a try, and okay. I did try. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, like I said. I just, I, uh, yeah, I didn't find one I liked, but when I do, I will order it. So hopefully for next one. So, one that I like, what does that even mean? Like, was there a shirt with Lion Cat on it? Buy it. Order it. That's the one. Boom. Got it. Dif- well. There's different artists who who make the shirts. I, oh. I, I don't know. I, I didn't so find one you're looking for the perfect Lion Cat shirt. Or at of least course. a good one. Because I'll, I'll tell you what. I'm going to yeah. side with Dean on this. If it's not Marvel or DC, good luck finding a shirt that you want for a comic yeah. property at all you know even one as popular as saga like um what up red bubble yeah i I looked there i just didn't there wasn't one that i really wanted to pull the trigger on Mm. all right cool guess what i'm getting a lion cat shirt for next time do it do it yeah how do you like that dean (laughs) good it stressed me out okay i was stressed out that i didn't buy it i thought i should have bought it and then it was this week the week had started. I was like, I need the shirt. I put it in my cart and I'm like, it's not going to get here on time. What am I doing? Oh, okay. Perfect. Well, I'm going to get a, a dog dart nose shirt. That's what I'm going to yes. get. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> dart nose. Hey, Tim, can I butt in here? Because I, we skipped over something really fun sure. that I just like to point out. Yeah. Um, and you don't realize it's a lot of fun until later in this issue. Uh, but like, so there's a point where he's putting out a hit on those guys and the agent says something along the lines of our best guy is already, you know, hasn't showed up for a while. Yeah. Uh, and he opens up the Will's file and it says, in case of emergency, please contact mother. And it's crossed out. Yeah. Uncle Steve. And it's crossed out. And the last one is the brand yeah. uh, only in case of death. Yeah. And of course, we know for the later in the issue that they call the brand. But it's just hilarious. Uh, who's Uncle Steve? It's great. Yeah. I awesome. love that. I love so that. Funny. And why are they crossed out? Like, what happened to them? Yeah. Why can't they're they dead. anymore? <laughs> yeah, they're dead. They're probably dead. Oh, poor Uncle Steve. We didn't even get to see poor him, people. and I think he's a great character. Poor mother. Already. What happened to mother? <laughs> right? <laughs> That's great. Yeah, that was re- I laughed really hard uh, at that notebook. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Gwendolyn runs back to find Sophie, now stepping on the Will's neck. <laughs> He's just really, really trying to kill this guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, Gwendolyn says it's not too late to get him to a proper emergency room and that their best chance is getting to Marco so he can cast a healing spell. Now, Oswald and Clara are talking about the war in the lighthouse. I really loved, like, the conversations that they gave us between these two. Uh, they, they both they're from opposing sides kind of um, with their with their ideology, but they had some really great conversations. Oswald is obviously uh, very against the war, and he says nothing could ever get him into the fight. Nothing. 
and Clara is on the other side because uh, her argument comes from her being in the war, being a soldier in the war, fighting for her side um, and fighting for what she thinks is right. So I like the conversations they were having. And it's at this point where we catch up to the end of volume two with Prince Robot coming to the lighthouse door. Can I also add in that conversation that Clara is having with Oswald, Isabel is such a great character and she's absolutely my favorite character of these volumes are all the time. She's yep. amazing. She's Agreed. always there. She's kind. Uh, she, she brings people together. She's a uniter, just a wonderful, wonderful character. She is great. I, I thought, I thought she was a little bit underutilized in the early issues, but she gets her moment later, but there is only so much you can really do with her character. I think they kind of, they made her so interesting and with such a, almost like a unique set of powers that if they were to really emphasize her, she'd be the focus of every episode or every issue. Cause she's so cool. So they really sure. did have to kind of tone her down, but she is a really great character. I agree. Yeah. So we meet the brand here, the new hired assassin and she was sent to kill Doff and Upshur, the reporters instead she decides to poison them with what we're kind of led to believe is just like a dormant poison that she can activate at any time she wants. And she tells them to drop the case on Alana and live or write about her and die. So again, that's another really, really cool idea. You know, I haven't heard of a lot of yeah. like dormant poisonings where you can kind of just like watch over the person and if they don't do what you want then you can just activate the poison and they die i thought it was cool it'd be terrible to be poisoned like that you'd be worrying every minute of the rest of your life that someone was going to set this poison off but uh i thought that was really cool yeah so, and i go ahead i think it's just the act that sets it off too right it's, so it's like if you write about the thing then the poison is going to be set off like so i think it's even if you like think about it and start writing about it then the poison's going to be set off. Also, I love what it's called. I forget. Does anyone have the exact name pulled up? It starts with an E. Because it's something like embargo. Because embargo is what, when people go and watch a movie, before they're allowed to write about it, there's like a time where they can, they are not allowed to write about it. And that's called the embargo period. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so they are not allowed to go on the internet and write their opinion about this movie or whatever, comic, whatever, until a certain date. And so I just thought the name of it was perfect. It's also a great idea because the brand could have injected them with uh, nothing and just use their imagination exactly. and fears against them. Um, yeah. And, and Embar em embargon. Sorry. Okay. Embargon. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And that's, that's just as powerful as, you know, having an actual poison in them. Definitely. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. See, I'm under the impression that it's like already set. Like, she doesn't have to push a button or anything. It just it yeah. just happens. Yeah. yeah. Which would be fascinating because how would that work, you know? Magic. That's magic. a cool idea. Yeah, magic. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's magic in the book. And it also came from a dog's nose, right? I mean, I did see that right. Like the darts <laughs> shot out of the dog's nose. Shot out nose. of the dog's nose. <laughs> yes. So I was just like, uh, I missed that. I missed that. That sounds the darts great. came out of the dog's nose. It was amazing. Uh, I wish I had seen that. I was too busy studying the brand because I thought she looked so fucking cool. Oh, she's, she's such a cool-looking yeah. character. 
Yeah. She also has one of these helmets where she can, you know, slice through. Oh, the crash uh, she helm? Can, she can. She has a crash helm? Yeah, yeah. She, yep. She's a thrash helm. Oh, exactly. shit. I didn't yeah. notice that. What was I doing? Was I even reading this book? What were you doing? Did you rip out some pages? Well, I've got an iPad. You can't do that. Oh. You fell asleep and you just scrolled a couple times. No, it was very, it was very exciting. You know what I think I was yeah. doing? No, I don't know what I was doing. I was going to say I was studying the art, but if I was studying the art, I would have picked up on that. You might have seen it. Yeah. I don't know what I was doing. I, I apologize to everybody. I didn't study this one deep enough. You're ready to apologize. I, I'm right there with <laughs> you. I didn't, I mean, I, I knew that they were ripping through, but I guess because I didn't, rereading this volume, I'm rereading them as we're going through. I didn't realize what that helmet was. I was just like, oh, that's cool. And oh, I guess she can rip through space time. And it didn't even register to me like, duh, it's the crash helmet. You know, they've introduced this. So, I mean, I'm right there with you with like sometimes not picking up on like some of the stuff, um, you know, with the time spans we put in between reading these, you know, it's not just all sitting there to remember. I mean, when we started this podcast, like I was going to go back and read issue 12 just to get reacquainted. And it wasn't until you guys started talking about it. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. I didn't realize that we start the first like three issues are like prior to the cliffhanger of the last issue. And that was just the just, you know, so, um, yeah, right there with you is <laughs> all I'm saying. Yeah, we're all here together. That's what <laughs> yeah. I'm glad we can all help each other with this, because I feel like yeah. we've all kind of been like, wait, did you did you catch this? <laughs> nope. <laughs> That's, true. That's what these are for. These are yeah. just for us to really make sure we understand what we're reading. Yeah, exactly. I love it. Great moment where Clara goes downstairs to help Oswald now, because as we know from the end of volume two, Prince Robot shoots Oswald. Uh, everybody's like upstairs in the lighthouse. They they know there's a bit of trouble downstairs, but they don't want to go. They don't want to get caught. They don't want to get killed. But Clara decides to go downstairs to help Oswald because they've formed this bond, this connection. And she gets shot by Prince Robot. And Oswald, the pacifist, who's declared there's nothing that could ever get him to fight. He draws and shoots Prince Robot. Which I thought was, um, well, Dean, I'll ask you, what did you think of that moment? Yeah, I liked it a lot um, because you know that that's not what he wants to do. Um, and this bond has been built between the two for the whole volume so far. You know, it started in issue one and it's just been, well, maybe issue two. It started in issue two and it's just been building since then. And so... Uh, I, it means a lot, you know, that moment means so much. And so, you know, that they actually did create this, this bond, you know, maybe he's not just a player, you know, maybe he does, he did connect with her. Maybe he did connect with Clara, um, to be able to, to draw his pistol in that moment and, and actually get him to, um, do the things, you know, he, he really didn't want to do. Uh, so I've got a question because yeah. I like this moment. It does seem very weird though, because he's lost his, his first wife which was more devastating to him than losing his son, who he also lost. And then, um, you know, there's other wives. I don't know if they all died or if he just got divorced. But it seems really weird that just meeting this Clara for five days would be enough to make him turn and finally take up arms. So a couple scenarios. Do you think possibly he's just had enough 
like he's gotten to the end he's gotten to the end of his string and he can't take anymore or possibly we know Clara can use magic do you think Clara possibly put a spell on him in some way to make him like fall in love and you know do this for her no no, no I think personally I think that um I mean we can't quantify love right but um, I will say that usually in the beginning of a relationship where somebody is new, it's the most exciting time. And maybe he's obviously somebody who really enjoys relationships in the beginning of them. And maybe he's just really, really into Clara and that's enough to push him into this. Hmm. I think it's more this. Uh, for me personally, I think it's more the straw or the last, the final straw that broke the camel's back sort of thing. Like there's been so much loss that he's had. Also, I think there's this examination throughout this series of like your ideals versus your actions. Um, cause you know, it's, you know, um, everybody has their ideals and they strive for them, but we're all human or aliens or what have you in this series. And you, you know, emotions and being, human gets in the way of that and so i think that's kind of what happens like you can have the ideals and and he wasn't in situations where he could have done anything for his son or his wife those things happened to him there wasn't a gun by him so he doesn't know what he would have done you know and now a new love interest potentially or companionship or friend is now being um threatened or shot you know like, I, I think it's, I think personally for me, it's the straw that broke the camel's back and it's being in the moment and having that knee jerk reaction and emotions take over. And um, to me, I think it's a very, very real moment um, for, for the series, something that I can relate with of like, I have these ideals, but if I'm presented with a scenario, will I hold to them or will I uh, lose to my emotions, you know, and yeah. um yeah, that's why it's why I love this series. I think it's so human. Yeah. Um so. Yeah, those though that's um his aspirational self mm-hmm. is to be peace, yeah. anti-war. Yep. But you know, there's a there's a difference between your aspirational self and who you are. Who you know what I mean? So yeah. totally. Yeah, I think that's ex- that's exactly what it is. It's it's uh it's not black and white and I think it's what the the book is trying to show us here that uh yeah, he 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 has he has his ideals. Same with Marco. And we've seen Marco already turn and kill people in these volumes because he felt like he had to. So it's uh, and it, it's also like what other people will make you do. You know, like he he wants he has his ideals. He wants peace. He does. He's a pacifist, but he's pushed to this point. So it's like how broken he can get because of what's going on around him. So I think that's also what they are trying to show with this. So Gwendolyn and Lion Cat have arrived on the planet, uh, you know, where everybody else is. They're heading towards the lighthouse. They hear gunfire inside. Gwendolyn kicks open the door. Oswald points the gun at her, but she uses the Will's lance and puts it right through his head. Oh, shit. Holy shit. Oh, I Holy did not shit. like that. <laughs> right through his I could not. <laughs> no, it's through his forehead, I think. But Oh, okay, okay. Wow. What an easy a... break this volume was. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. Break. Easy break. <laughs> Breezy, just hanging out. Jeremy, what did you think, man, in this moment? What, what's going through your head? I was sad because it's, it's on the same page. So, 
your eyes can just drop down and see what's going to happen before it does. And it's just, it sucks because you like this guy, you know? And so you, I felt the loss right away. And I immediately thought of Clara and I'm like, this just sucks because they built this. They built this and it was there and then they did stashed. So I was, I was upset. I didn't like it. I mean, I loved it, of course, but like, yeah. What I um as um as Dean says, I love to be the victim of writers, and totally that's that's what I was a victim of in this. Uh, yeah. in this I case. loved it because I knew he was going to die. I thought he was going to die last volume. I was just kind of waiting for him to die, but they caught me so good with their timing of it that I was shocked. And when you can shock me into a moment that I know is coming, that's great writing. Yeah. So, on to issue six. Clara is trying to fight off Lion Cat. She puts her thumb into Lion Cat's eyeball. And Isabel really gets into it here. And she gets Lion Cat to leave with a combination of a very rational discussion, which was awesome, and by turning into a giant cat herself. So... That was just so. That was so much fun. Now, Jeremy, she's your favorite character. Yeah. Just, just quickly, what did this? What did this like page or couple pages do for you? Well, first of all, it talks again and reinforces what uh, the rules are around this uh, lion cat breed or animal, right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like they have they're they're obviously lawful neutral. They have to follow these rules, and um, you know, lion cat gets kind of uh tricked into breaking the rules by entering this person's residence right and so lion cat knows that they did something wrong and so she points it out you this was wrong and i know that you care about this so i shame on you and Mm -hmm. and then she as a as she has those powers she then turns into now you know you better leave or i'm going to tell everybody what you really are which is the runt of the litter and you have this big vision of a mama cat and all these little cats feeding and it looks as if lion cat is the smallest and is shamed and turns away Mm -hmm. now gwendolyn yeah i loved it too gwendolyn confronts Marco and Alana at the top of the lighthouse. She wants to know what ingredients she needs for a spell to save the will. And she's very, very upset. (laughs) Tony, I want to ask you, is Gwendolyn too upset here? Or do you think this is a justified response? So, and maybe, maybe someone else can explain this to me too, but I, I guess this is where I was kind of like, I didn't really see their relationship built up. I saw that, you know, she had an interest, but like this sort of level of, of, oh, you know, my new love or whatever she referred to the will as my new boyfriend or whatnot. Um, I just, I don't know. It, it didn't make complete sense to me um, because I didn't, I didn't understand, um, why she was so mad or is this a way of her covering up that she still has feelings for Marco? You know, again, I'm, I'm open to whatever. Cause here is where I was kind of lost in the sauce. I wasn't sure what her motivations were, honestly. Um, so yeah, I'm not much help here. <laughs> for, for me, it's uh it's a lot about Marco here. Okay. Um, 
I think that uh, we don't know a lot about her and Marco's relationship either. Just uh, like we know, we know kind of what happened, but we, and we know she's really angry. So I think this shows us just how much she was hurt by, you know, him leaving. And I think she's there in front of him with his wife and their baby. And I think she's just saying she's in love with the will and saying that's her boyfriend, whatever. I think she's just in that moment, you know, all the emotions are that high and it's just, you know, it's like, oh yeah, you and you and your wife, I, I got, uh, I got a love as well. You know, I got a boyfriend as well. Um, and I need to save him right now. So it's not that I don't doubt that she, you know, has, has feelings for the will, but I think that's why it was so elevated and why she was sh so angry. Cause she was in front of Marco in that moment. And just like everything was coming out. Cause that was the first time, you know, she's, I think been in front of him since, uh, since he left. So I, I think that's, that's what was going on for me. Yeah. That makes, that makes a ton of sense and clears clears it up for me it feels pretty aggressive that you know Gwendolyn would hire assassins kind of like chase marco down across you know the galaxy here trying to get him just because he burned her i, I don't know but like he he destroyed her and they're warriors they're very aggressive mm -hmm. they you know they everything they 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 use violence um, like you can see in Clara, she wants, she wants to, you know, like the, the whole sort of family is like, yeah, we, we go to war. And so I wonder if it's just, she's hurt so bad. That's her reaction is like, okay, now we're fighting. Yeah. So for, for me, I need more in the future to support this moment for this moment to work. Right, right now, this moment doesn't really work for me. I don't really buy her rage in this moment and all, all the things she's doing, um, so I don't know. I need more. But now something just came to my mind. Was she was she after a ring or something like that? Like, was there some sort of... Did he, he has her... Well, yeah, he has her uh, translation ring, I think. Okay, so does she want that back? Is that what she's trying to do? I don't remember. Maybe. I, I don't think that's part of the issue. Yeah, she doesn't address, yeah, she doesn't it, address it here. Right? Okay. Yeah. Anyways, I, I would like to see more. I'd like to see why she's so enraged give us uh, some backstory to support that in the future that would make uh, make me happy you don't know why she's mad well i get why she's mad but i don't get why she's mad enough to do go to this extent to like chase marco down like this and w want to kill marco and kill alana and kill the baby it just seems all very extreme well i think um to me uh so they were fiance they were going to get married mm -hmm. and maybe uh it's she's also publicly embarrassed on her planet that that he did this and that that he did it for uh a Mooney or uh not a Mooney excuse me he did it for one of their enemies like that sounds like wow i she's humiliated she's heartbroken and uh she's part of a race that is pretty mad and aggressive and goes pretty hard so it worked. It worked for me, honestly. Mm. Okay. Okay. I th yeah. For me, I need a bit more. I don't. I don't. I. I just have a hard time buying that she'd go into like go to the extent she's doing just because she got like burnt by her, you know, yeah. ex fiance. It just. Just. I don't know. Let me be the bridge between Tim and Jeremy of where. It sort of works for me and sort of doesn't. Oh, uh, man. It's, it's, I'm <laughs> it's in between. Perfect. You know, we need like, a bridge uh, right now. Yeah. 
Um, that's kind of where I'm at. It was the, to me out of this volume, I, I, that was the only place I really was kind of confused, you know, and Dean, you explained it well. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm in the middle there. I'm yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I totally get that. I totally get, uh, the, the thoughts that it's like, you don't really know what's going on. Why would she get to this, this point? Um, when I'm reading it, I'm like, oh, she's this mad. You know, I'm just understanding in that moment that she's this mad, but I, I get that there's, there is no, background leading us all the way up to that point so i'm just like i don't i don't know her you know so she is this mad right now yeah cool okay so marco tells gwendolyn that there is a spell but it will only work on their people not on the will yeah and the lighthouse is on fire now which i thought was pretty cool just it really heightens like the intensity of the situation prince robot after being shot he comes to but he's malfunctioning which i really liked and he's asking like that too how he can be of service this Great. is amazing <laughs> we've hated this guy like for a while for what he's trying to do um and now just to have him kind of reboot and be helpful it's such so a great. great writing twist because he's booting. That. He he's boot. It's like yeah. it's like basic like uh, like before Windows. You know, like DOS. Yeah. It's like <laughs> yeah, it, everything's built on his personality is not there yet. He's just a uh, an automaton. You know, an automaton. Yeah, I thought awesome. it was r- really great. Isabel asks asks him. Uh, well, I guess if you're helping, could you take Clara to safety? Which he does, and then once he gets her to safety, he realizes he has to head back to his ship, and he heads back to his ship. So thought that was a really fun way to kind of get robot out of that situation it was neat yeah he gets that explicit like image on his uh screen again that i think we discussed last time on what why why does he always see a bunch of porn all the time it's because that's his opposite of war I you know, yeah I, maybe yeah maybe I love uh, Isabel's response to that you too know? like eh, maybe you should go you know like yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. figure it out that's what fine a- we'll handle it yeah. ourselves yep thanks <laughs> you got other things to work out yeah <laughs> so Gwendolyn aims the Will's lance at Alana she shoots it out and Marco pushes Alana and Hazel off the top of the lighthouse. And as he kind of is doing that, he moves into the position where Alana was and he gets hit by the lance. Uh, he has a great line. Gwendolyn's like, why did you do that? And he's just like, I'd rather them die that way than be killed by you. It was something like that. It was a really, really tight line. But we see Alana fly back up using her wings that she thought were only for show and Alana shoots Gwendolyn. So this was a pretty good moment, I thought. I like, this is a bit of a shocker, you know, a surprise with what Marco did, surprised with what Gwendolyn did, and then I was surprised with what Alana did. So that was fun. Well, and they, they led up to him doing that really well because earlier in the previous issue, or maybe it was earlier in this issue, he had the knife, you know, like if it gets really bad here, <laughs> you know, to... to um kill the baby and stuff. So like you knew it was in him. Like it wasn't like out of nowhere where he pushes them to like, you know, mercy kill them. Cause he yeah. had that idea already and had presented it earlier. So yeah, they, for, they foreshadowed that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's why it worked. 
Yeah. So uh, Gwendolyn's okay, though. She takes off. She ends up dropping off the will at a nearby medical facility that Alana had mentioned. And the brand shows up. We learn that she is the will's sister. And the doctor says the will would likely never fully recover from his wounds. And then we see on another planet, baby Hazel, now a toddler, taking her first steps. And that's where the volume ends. Revealing that Sophie is the brand's uh, sister's name and that Billy is the Will's real name. Billy, okay. Right, Billy, Billy, yeah. Cool. I totally remembered that just right before you said it. Same, same. Milliseconds. It's like Bob. Milliseconds. (laughs) Milliseconds. Yeah, so those last couple issues, that's that really did it for me. They just really they went really fast. They were really exciting. There was a lot of intense stuff going on. Uh lots of great writing, lots of fun. So overall, yeah, I'm a big fan of this volume. I thought it was really great. Very excited to get into the next one to see what they do. And uh yeah. yeah what'd you guys think? Oh yeah. It was really great. The 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 context on a lot of the characters, the new ones, which is the brand and the journalists, uh, were great. And um, I have since I've read all of it, I I think this is great beginnings to those characters that uh, that we get to read more about later. Cool. Yeah, definitely. Just to, yeah to touch on the journalists because like that's how it opened. We were talking about that earlier. That's how the whole volume opened was on these journalists. And we're like, who are, who are these guys? Like, why do we care about these guys? And as the volume goes on, I just quickly start to care about them and quickly are very interested in what they're doing. You know, their whole their whole part of the story and how it's going to fit into the whole part of the story. Um, so yeah, I, I I thought the new characters in this volume were were excellent, which is already building on a large cast of excellent characters. Yeah, like they brought the media into it. I think that's an important yeah. part of like when you're dealing with war and, you know, all the stuff that's going on, the media is an important part. So that that was good. And don't forget, they're making you care about characters again. And that's that's our weakness. They're going to, yeah. you know, <laughs> that's a bad they might take them away. The more, yeah. the more you emotionally invest, the more they want to take them away. Exactly. Yeah. That's what good stories do. <laughs> yeah, I... Huge fan of this volume, huge fan of the new characters. I liked even how they um, talked differently. It was like thought bubbles, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, I also liked the point that they made of how um, the reasoning behind why they didn't want this story going live uh, had to do with that this wasn't a story that was a takedown of just one particular side. Um, and I thought that was really important to what's going on within Saga itself, because, you know, the uh, these reporters um, have done takedowns of either side, you know, and it's like this side bad or this side bad. And this one shows uh, both sides kind of being bad um, or uh, and so I thought that was a really important takeaway from um, the whole volume itself. Um, so and then, yeah. Love the introduction of uh, the media being in there. And I mean, it was just nice to chill with these characters for a couple issues before it was kicked into high gear and people start dying. (laughs) So, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I really like that point that they're allowed to write on a specific side because that keeps the war going. You know, the one side will be like, I hate them. And the other side will be like, no, we're on their side. But as soon as you write a story where there are no sides, that's not what they want. You know, that's that's where they want to stop it. They can't have that happen. And I just noticed this time I read it through. I don't know if anyone else saw it or if I'm seeing it wrong. But do those journalists live underwater? Like they're their apartment is in is not underwater, but I believe the outside of it was. I believe when they cut back for one just one like page, everyone like a guy that visited them was swimming away. And I wonder if it was like a oh. Gungan City type thing where they're like their apartments are in like a little bubble, but then everything else is underwater. And they do look fishy, but yeah. uh I, I didn't notice. Wow. Okay. I didn't notice anything, but we've already established that I missed a lot in this book. So <laughs> you weren't even reading this one. Too. I didn't read it. I uh, yeah, I just uh, I read Wiki. I read Wiki for this one. Yeah, yeah, good, great. great. <laughs> How did I do? I'll, uh, I have the volume beside me. I'll leaf through it when we're done, and I'll show you uh, to to see if you, you you feel the same. Great. Yeah. Then I'll 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 just like uh, record myself saying that I noticed that, and I'll cut it back right. in this episode so I sound smart. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> okay, great. Well, listen, Tony, Jeremy, it's always a blast having you guys here. Please tell us a little bit about your podcast and uh, just give us a plug for that. Oh, because sure. Because I listen. I love it. Uh, one of my favorite podcasts. I always say that. I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. I'm a fan. I think people should listen to it. So uh, just uh, people listen to their podcast. And Jeremy, uh, tell us a bit about it. Sure. Well, thank you very much. Uh, we I love it that you listen to us and that... Uh... You know, when we when we record, we're thinking of you, Tim, just so you know. Um, <laughs> so, so Tony and I, uh, we're on a podcast called Remote Takes, uh, and we discuss, we try to discuss an in-theater movie every episode, and then we also have, like, an old favorite that we do. Um, I think we're very, our format is very loose. We just like to talk about uh, the feelings and emotions we had during a movie, and and what stood out for us. And um, yeah, we're about an hour show and uh, we love doing it. Yep. Great discussions. Uh, lots of fun. Uh, I love that you guys kind of kick off with what you've been up to lately. Makes me feel like <laughs> I know you guys a bit better. Uh, That's my favorite part. <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> it's, a great, it's a great format. Great format. <laughs> I love it. All right, everyone listening, if you're looking for a way to support Talking Back, there's a few ways you can do that. You can start by telling your friends about us, share one of your favorite episodes with your friend. You can leave a review and rating on your favorite podcast app. You can also send us a one-time donation of any amount at buymeacoffee.com slash talkingback. Or you can sign up to be a patron and gain access to exclusive episodes over at patreon.com slash talkingback podcast and now that this episode is over don't worry head on over to bfopnetwork.com and check out one of the other amazing nostalgia based podcasts in our network we promise you'll find something that you like tony thank you for joining thanks for having me it's been a blast jeremy thank you for joining oh man i loved it you guys are great we always have a great discussion together dean Thank you for joining. Yeah, thanks, Tim. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next time.
I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La la la.